Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, Understanding God's Promises. Our text is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. With this presidential race in full swing, this is a season of grand and sweeping promises. But let's face it, we all know from experience, regardless of the candidate or the party, that most of the biggest presidential promises are are rarely fulfilled. So whose promises can you trust? Well, if you study the Bible, you realize God has made hundreds, if not thousands, of promises. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then there's Psalm 50. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. And from John, the eighth chapter, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. These are just a few of the many promises that you can find in the Bible. Here's the good news. Our God is not only a promise maker, He's a promise keeper. Every promise that God makes on what will or will not be done, what will be given or come to pass, is rock solid and true. And we can be certain of that through our relationship with Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. The answer is yes. God keeps all promises. But we need to have a kind of a deeper understanding of those promises in order to really apply them to our lives. Now, when you read your Bible, you'll see that sometimes God makes specific promises to specific people, and sometimes they are more general. For instance, take Matthew 11, 28 to 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Well, that's a promise, an invitation for everyone. A relationship with Jesus Christ is an open invitation. It is a solid promise of God. It offers love and peace and healing to anyone who comes. There are no limitations to this promise. Now, I've never understood those who allege that our faith, the Christian faith, is narrow and exclusive. No one need be excluded from God's amazing grace. No one is excluded from this promise. Come to me, everybody, anybody who's weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a wonderful promise that is extended to the whole world. Now let's look at a more specific promise. In 1 Kings, the ninth chapter, God promises King Solomon, verse 5, I will establish your royal throne forever. Solomon has just finished building the temple, and God is pleased. And just as God promised Solomon's father, David, a rich legacy, he promises his son. So you may say, well, this promise couldn't possibly apply to anyone else. And it is specific. It's a promise to King David's heirs, part of God's covenant promise to the nation of Israel. But remember, 
God's covenant to David was the promise of Jesus Christ, whose greatness of government and peace would have no end. So here's a specific promise with boundless applications. You see, every promise in the Bible is a promise to you and me. I dare you to find one promise that cannot be applied to our lives. Now let's flesh this out just a little bit more, this promise to King Solomon. Jesus of Nazareth was a legal and spiritual heir to the throne of David. While the Jews had hoped he would be an earthly king, and in the end Pilate mocked him with that title, God gave him all authority to rule over everything in his creation, his kingdom, everything, and we are co-heirs with Christ. Our inheritance is salvation and eternal life. So even the most seemingly specific word to a specific individual offers something for you and me in the Bible. Now let's go to the New Testament, Luke 2.35, when the devout old man, Simeon, meeting Mary and Joseph in the temple, recognized baby Jesus as the Messiah. He sadly predicted that a sword would one day pierce Mary's soul. Luke 2.35. That promise was fulfilled in Mary's lifetime when she saw her son go to the cross. There is still a message for us there. Part of our faith is suffering and sorrow. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus apart from that truth. So you see, even that kind of promise that was really geared toward Mary is also something geared toward us. The Bible is for us. God's promises are for us. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Click on Giving. Thank you. God bless you. The bigger point that I'm trying to make today is that the Bible is one book with a single plot of a God who loves us so much that he gave his only son to save us, of a God whose promises are all true through that son. You know, when I first began to study the Bible, I separated the stories of the Old Testament from the New Testament, and there are plenty of people who do that today, who can't pull them together, even though there were many Old Testament prophecies about the birth of Jesus. But what I think we don't understand is the connection of the plot to the promise. It's the same. God loves us. He loved us through the Old Testament. He loved us in the New Testament. He loves us now. Jesus is here through the power of the Holy Spirit to save us. That is the plot of the Bible. That is God's promise. In the Old Testament, people were waiting and looking for that. In the New Testament, it happened. The story of the Bible is the story of God's promise to his creation, the world, and how God wants to bless the world and what God expects from the world. And that single plot runs from creation to the fall to Jesus Christ's offer of redemption. And all the families, the judges, the kings that pop up in between point us to some aspect of that central plot. And all of God's promises to those players, whether they're blessings or warnings, are to us. We can learn something for our lives from each story. There's the Life Application Bible. That's a really good Bible. I suggest that you 
pick it up if you get a chance or just try to find it online because it specifically speaks to how you can apply any story to your life. But as I said at the beginning of this little message today, one of my favorite promises in the Bible is in Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, the 11th verse. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now that's a promise that the prophet Jeremiah wrote to the Jewish captives in Babylon. The 70-year period of the Babylonian exile was an important part of Israel's history, as you know, and the people found themselves in this horrible predicament because they had turned from God. As a result, they lost everything, their homes, their freedom. They were taken into exile in another country. Jeremiah wrote to them to keep on living their lives despite their predicament. They were to pray for their captors and more importantly, in the midst of their displacement and suffering, in the midst of their sins, they were to hold on to God's promise of restoration. That's a specific promise intended for a specific group, but it has broader implications. No matter what you are going through as a child of God, you can be certain that God has your future in his hands and he assures you either on this side of eternity or the other That future is a good one. God's word is solid. His purpose is clear. If he makes a promise, he will keep that promise. But in order to understand that, we need to understand that there's some conditions to God's promises. Now, some people say there are unconditional promises, and that could be so. But for me, all of God's promises have conditions. That promise to King Solomon was a conditional promise. The promise was dependent on Solomon's obedience to God. The promise to the exiles was a conditional promise. You have to turn back to me and be obedient to me, God says, and I'll take care of your future. Don't worry about it. Obedience is the condition, I would argue, of all of God's promises. I call it the if clause. Exodus 19.5, God promises Israel, if you obey me, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Deuteronomy 4.29, God promises his people, if we seek him with all our heart and soul, we will find him. Matthew 21.22, if you believe, you will receive what you ask in prayer. See, there is a if in all of that. There is obedience that's necessary in all of that. I call it God's incentive plan. It's the inducement. It's the way God motivates us, encourages us. It's the way God warns us. God's judgment is a pretty powerful inducement to follow Christ, but I think there's more to it than that. I believe we're motivated ultimately by God's love. 1 John 4, 19. We love because Jesus first loved us. When I look back over my spiritual journey, it is God's love that has moved me further in my growth than anything else. But sometimes it's hard to explain that because we're very confused about love. But just remember, the love of God is perfect, holy love. It is not something God does. It is who God is. And the more you learn about God, the more you're drawn to this amazing love that gives us amazing grace. And remember that God's desire is that we get to know God even more closely than we may think we know him now. God desires intimacy with us 
That's another incentive for obedience. That's a, another understanding of, of how God's promises work. God pulls us into relationship. God gives us love. God expects us to obey. And God's promises are boundless. Boundless. All I'm suggesting is that we spend more time with God. We learn to love as God loves us. And then we can sit back and rest on God's promises. Obey God and God will reward you with his presence and his promises. Know that and know that you're blessed. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. And remember, our summer Sunday worship schedule, which is in effect right now, is at 10 o'clock. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617 445 2116.